Hello, everybody, and thanks for joining us for Therapy Thoughts. This is our first episode. I am Lindsay Walden. I'm going to be the host of said podcast. And who's that guy sitting over there? Do I know you? Uh, I guess. <laughs> you guess? That would be Apparently the voice so. of Randy Cash, I Hi, think. Hi, everybody. Hey. Oh, my goodness. Hey, what's up? So, for those of you who do not know or have not listened in the past, Randy and I actually, it's been, what, five years, I guess, since we've done... It's not quite been that long. Has it not been? Maybe four years? It's been four yeah, years, we'll I think. So, basically, the, the short version of it is that we had a, a radio manager that said, hey, y'all might work well together on the radio. So, Randy sat in on the second day of my Sexy Thoughts show, and he appointed himself my co-host and my producer. And the rest, as they say, is history. History. Oh, boy. But no, in, in all seriousness, yes. Randy is one of my bestest friends ever. Yay. Yeah, I, I know, am, right? likewise. You am? Aw. Yeah. It's just a love fest all up in here. Isn't it? It is. But no, so we've been talking for a while now about getting the podcast up and going. So I had to kind of take a, 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 I don't know, a page from my own playbook, the whole idea, like, just start where you are, do what you can. And, you know, get some stuff going, right? So I am the world's worst at wanting to be, like, overthinking, perfectionistic with everything. I know you know this about me. I'm not not too far off myself. Right. I get you. That's why why we work, because you get it. So basically, I've been talking, I don't know what, for the last six months. Hey, Randy, let's do a podcast. Hey, Randy, I'm going to do my podcast again. Hey, let's do the podcast. So finally... We're doing the podcast. Just got to do it, man. Exactly. Just it, do it. Oh, my goodness. It is called Therapy Thoughts, and I kind of settled on that because previously we had sexy thoughts, but you know, I do more than just sex therapy. You I do. am a sex therapist. Maybe I should tell people what I do. Maybe. So I am a licensed professional counselor. I'm a certified sex therapist. I do a lot of life coaching work. I do a lot of business consulting. And I'm also uh, kind of a media personality in a variety of ways, mostly in the St. Louis area. I've done a few things in other markets, but that's pretty much where I've been. So hopefully this show will be, what do we call it, infotainment? Infotainment. Right. So, and you know, we may have the Randy haters again. I don't know. We had a whole group of people that would listen on the radio that were like all anti-Randy. I don't know why they were anti-Randy. Jealousy. Is that what it was? Yeah, it's exactly what it was. Yep. What do you do, Randy Cash? Why don't you tell people? Uh, I paint houses. You do? Um, I do a lot of cabinetry and (laughs) walls and doors and trim, Mm -hmm. Uh, occasionally some baseboards. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's fun for you. Uh, It sucks. I freaking hate it, but it pays the bills. I can't complain. Okay. All right. Um, What do you do in your your other career? uh, It's not a career. I'm going to call it more of a creative endeavor. Okay, that works. comedy. You do. um, I love that very much. It's a lot of fun. I'm very happy that I started doing it. Good. See, that's another one of those, start where you are, do what you can. Right. Because up until what, about a year and a half ago, you had never really done comedy like that. No, I've never done stand-up. You've Uh, done funny on the radio. Yeah. We did comedy talk radio for my brother Jeff and I, I a good 10 years or so. Sure. Um, Always wanted to Mm -hmm. get out and do stand-up. Just timing was never right, I guess. Right. Just one day, I, I I said to myself, I'm going to do this next year. There you go. Years yep. ago. And then that time, because when my youngest daughter graduates high school and goes off to college, then I'm going to come out and do it. Okay. One day while she was still in high school, I didn't have to drive her to work, and I just went, and I've just been going mm-hmm. back ever since. 
See, I think that's a great example of exactly what I wanted to talk about in this first um, episode is that idea that we are really only one choice away from a completely different outcome, from a completely different life in some cases, and you just exactly explained it. That's right. You're one choice away from 20 to life, too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but let's not go there, Um, although you're not wrong. Um, One choice away from child support payments you weren't looking for. Okay, you know what? Okay, now we're going down a whole other path. (laughs) Um, No, but seriously, I think a lot of people feel like they're stuck. You know, maybe it's a job that they feel like they have to go to day in and day out. And I'm not saying go in and quit your job if you got bills to pay. That That's not my goal in this whole thing. But I do think that sometimes we sort of, I don't know, kind of just go, oh, well, it is what it is. Just got to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. And there might be some truth to some of those things, but we do have a lot more control and power over our circumstances than a lot of times we might believe. Yeah, absolutely. or then we even give ourselves credit for, and so I, I do. I, I hope that throughout the the show, maybe we can offer some inspiration to people and kind of let them know that you really aren't as stuck as you feel. Yeah, I hate my freaking job. I hate it. Okay, I'm so tired of it, and I hate painting. I mean, yeah. I would, you're I, good at it, though. I'm great at it. I mean, right. Respectful. I've been doing it for 20-something years. You so we'd hope you're good at, good at it. it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I like helping, like, my friends and stuff. If they, like, a friend of mine just bought a house and um, doing some painting for them, and I mm-hmm. don't mind doing that. I yeah. like actually doing that to help them. But as a job, it just stinks. I've been doing it forever. Mm-hmm. My elbow hurts. I got the little wrist or the little elbow Oh, my gosh. She's got a tendonitis on. brace on over there. Oh, yeah, it hurts like hell. I hear you. But, you know, I'm... I want to get out of it, and I, I don't know exactly what I want to do, Yeah, but I, I, I'm i thinking about some other possibilities to get out and find a different uh, source of income. Okay, but see, that's exactly what I'm saying. You know, we, we have to be willing to sort of do what I call self-reflection, where we're willing to go back and kind of think to ourselves, okay, if I could do anything, what would that be? What are things that interest me? It's almost like a brainstorming activity of... If what I'm doing isn't making me happy or it's not serving me or I don't feel like I can continue doing this for the next 20 years if I've done it for the last 20 years, right. it's important to start taking little baby steps towards where you want to be. Sometimes that's just the contemplative phase of, okay, I'm thinking about what I want to do. You know, Sometimes it's about actually taking steps and putting them into practice, like action-oriented items. Sometimes it's about actually making drastic changes. And so whatever like step you may be at, anybody listening or you, Randy Cash, whatever step you may be at, it's okay to sort of acknowledge where you are and go back to that. Well, what can I do right now, today, in this moment, in this hour, whatever it may be, to move myself a little closer to that goal? And we don't always make broad sweeping changes and huge leaps at one time. But if we take those baby steps they do kind of add up. They, they turn into large leaps. Absolutely. There's sometimes in life things, I say this all the time, and it's one of, one of my cashisms. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a situation like that, or in, in lots of situations in life, there's sometimes only so much you can do with a situation, and you have to just kind of like put it on the back burner and let it simmer for a little bit Yep. before it can, you know, come to fruition. But. hmm you got to have something to look forward to, man, you know, because yeah. I hate my job, like I was saying, but I do comedy and it, it's something I look forward to and I love it. It's and like a that carrot that dangles. Me happy, yes. Mm-hmm. And I don't have these grandiose, you know, delusions that I'm going to have Netflix specials and stuff like that. That's not why I do it. I do it because I sure. love it. 
I did music and radio for the money. I wanted to be a rock star. <laughs> I did. Right? I, I get you. I mean, I cared about, you know, the the art. Well, sure. No, I wanted to be a rock star. Absolutely. I wanted That's fair. fame and fortune and, and drug overdoses and the whole shit. Oh, my bang. goodness. But now I do comedies because I love it. I don't care if I ever make any money in it. And I think that's sort of the key, too. You know, um, people ask me all the time when they, they kind of listen to my list of career options that I've got going on, because I joke that I'm the entrepreneur with 87 jobs, but mm-hmm. I love all of my 87 jobs, and right. I don't do them for, like, a monetary gain. Yeah, that's that would be nice if I could figure out a way to, you know, pay all of my bills and have massive surplus of money. But really, for me, I get such a fulfillment from seeing other people kind of live into their best life to see them be able to realize that they aren't as stuck as they think they are or, you know, even just the process of sort of feeling privileged that someone would trust me enough to sit down in my office and have a really frank conversation about their life and where they, you know, where they want to be. Um, That in and of itself will carry me for like long periods of time. And so I think it is. It's about figuring out what does the fulfillment aspect look like in your life, you know. And if you don't love every aspect, it's not to say that we can completely eliminate all of those things because there will always be things that we don't want to do. I I love Mel Robbins. I think I've told you about her before Mm. in our conversations. But, you know, she is sort of a self-help motivational speaker and she's got... A number of ways, tactics that she kind of explains in my blog, a lot of times I um, I talk about her work. But one of the things that she says is that there will always be things that we don't want to do, but that doesn't stop them from needing to be done. That could be something as simple as I don't want to get out of bed in the morning. Well, that doesn't mean that I should lay there all day and not get mm-hmm. up. And so it's this idea of how do we push ourselves towards, you know, feelings of motivation, she also kind of says that motivation is bullshit. This idea mm. that we're, we're waiting to wake up and feel motivated to do the things that need to be done, especially if it's something we don't want to do. And I think that's right. sort of a maybe a misunderstanding that we all have with the world around us that I don't know that we're ever going to wake up at 6 a.m. and go, yay, I want to get out of bed at 6 a.m. Yeah, no. I don't know that anybody's ever going to do that. Not me. But if we know that getting out of bed at 6 a.m. or whatever time you got to get up is a means to an end, so to speak, mm. then does that help push yourself towards that? I get up because you know, electricity is pretty cool, man. Exactly. I'm going to keep it around, you know? So right. I guess I'm going to get up and go to work. I mean, and that may be the motivating That's factor motivating sometimes. Factor. Yeah, and it very well may be. You know, for me, um, just a silly example, I love my cats, right? I've got two cats. You've met my cats. I have. Um, they used to live here. They did. I, um, I love my cats, and they're amazing, but I hate cleaning out the litter box. I've never liked it. It's not fun. I don't enjoy it. And I don't know that anybody really enjoys cleaning out the litter box. However, when I changed my relationship with that task, it became a lot less ugh, and a lot easier to just kind of push myself into action. So now I have like a little calendar on my uh, refrigerator and I just mark off the days that I clean it out. And every other day I go down and clean it out. Now it's sort of like it's just part of my routine. You know, I know that there's going to be those elements of my life that I don't necessarily look forward to. But yet if I tell myself, okay, well, if you do this, not only do you not have to do it tomorrow, that's my carrot. I'm like, oh, I get to skip a day. Yay. Um, And I also know my cats aren't going to pee in the basement. So it's a win-win for everybody involved. Now, there are much bigger examples of this where maybe you've got, um, you know, a a goal or a dream like you mentioned the comedy thing i'm sure the first time you went it was a bit nerve-wracking um 
Mm. Oh, he's gonna he's gonna prove me wrong now. Here we well, go. Yes and no. Okay. Um. Yes and no. I don't know how to articulate this quickly. Uh, <laughs> being on stage and stuff like that, I mm-hmm. was happy to be back. Yeah, that I was excited about. Absolutely. Um, we have talked off the air a bunch of times about uh, anxious anxiety and. And versus excitement. Yes. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, so I was very excited to be back. Mm -hmm. The nerve wracking part was I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But you did it anyway. But I did it anyway because I was more excited to be back on stage than I was anxious about, you know, what might happen or. I like that. Any of the negative aspects of it. So to answer your question, mm -hmm. yes, but it was like it's in two different ways i guess no i get that and I, maybe that's a good segue into that whole topic because i think maybe a lot of people could benefit from hearing the difference between sort of how we treat things from an anxiety perspective versus how we treat them from an excitement perspective now i can't take complete credit for this this is another mel robbins thing but it is very central to the work that i do with people this idea that anxiety and excitement feel very similar in the body yeah. you know they do and if you think about it a time that you've been anxious about something and a time you've been excited about something, they probably feel very similar. Maybe not exactly the same, but similar, right? And so when we start to motivate ourselves towards taking action in our lives, a lot of times anxiety will show up. And it could be anxiety like, uh, oh, I don't know how this is going to go, or I'm worried, or I'm, you know, I just don't quite, I don't have the, the end result in, in my mind yet. I just know mm. that I want to do something. If we start to reframe that, instead of looking at just the anxiety thinking, and we actually give ourselves permission to imagine it as excitement, how does that change our relationship with that thing, whatever it may be? One of the examples she uses in her book is, I think it's like a six or seven year old little boy that wants to go to a like a sleepaway, like overnight thing with a friend. Mm-hmm but is terrified to be away from his home like for all night long. So he literally throughout the day kept saying out loud, I am excited about this. I am excited to go. I am excited to go to this slumber party. And he might have said it 40 times during the day, but then as he continued to reframe his relationship, every time he would feel anxious, he would remind himself that he was excited. By the time it actually got time to go to the, the event, the anxiety had kind of neutralized itself a little bit because he had reframed it into anxiety. So if a six-year-old can do this, then I know us adults are capable of it. But sometimes we overthink things. Mm-hmm. We will sort of paralyze ourselves into inaction. I think I've heard it called like um, paralysis through analysis. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> Where we, we just like think and think and think and think and think and think and think. But what we really need to be doing is actually taking a step forward, taking some action. Because what's the worst that's going to happen? Uh, you could fail, but yeah. Right. Okay. So then is that, yeah, exactly. So what? Is that a reason not to do something? Or could we use that as a springboard of what we should do going forward? Let's say you get up on stage for the first time and you tell some jokes that you think are hilarious, but nobody in the audience laughs. Is that a reason to never get up and tell jokes again? No, that happened to me a couple of weeks ago. Did it really? I, I may have, yeah. Luckily, shortly after my my week or two of just completely bombing mm-hmm. horribly, uh, I got really, really busy at work, and it kept me from getting out to a couple of mics that I would normally get oh, out okay. to. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Which I, I guess was good in a way for mm-hmm. me to kind of like step back for a second and 
be so consumed with okay because I was feeling kind of bad about the uh, comedy not going so good okay. for a couple of weeks, but sure, I got sure. sucked into work and into that 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 dirty, ugly work thing. <laughs> yeah, that it just made me like appreciate how much I love comedy. Even if yep. I did bomb, so what? You got to get back out there and do it again because that doesn't happen. That I a lot. I mean, I do have bad sets. Don't get me wrong, but I, oh, sure. I do well more than I bomb. Yeah, I totally get that. There's been times yeah. where I've gone on a radio appearance on, you know, because I'm a guest a lot on other people's shows. And, you know, in my mind, I got a lot of great things to say. And it's like the words just don't flow the way I want yes. them to. Or somebody asks a question and I answer the question, but maybe not as well as I could. And then I go mm. back later and I want to overanalyze it. And again, I'm, I'm anal- analysis. I'm, par- I'm paralyzing myself through this overanalysis. Right. And what really needs to happen is that anytime we we fall short of whatever that goal is or we have a quote unquote failure, because I'm not sure it's really a failure. Maybe it's just a springboard. But if we learn to reframe the failures as a way to go, okay, let's go back to the drawing board. What about this worked? What about this didn't work? What could I do in the future to make it work a little better? Mm -hmm. And I think that's really the big key is that if we use one failure or a feeling of failing, as a reason to never try again, then we are going to be really stuck. And this is all sort of circling around the same theme that we are never as stuck as we think we are. But yet we as people are really, really good at convincing ourselves that there is no path forward, that everything is terrible, and we should just give up trying. Human beings are easily programmed. And that's what you're programmed to think and feel, that there is no hope, you know. Right. You're stuck. Yeah. Um, So go to your stupid job make your money and give it right. back to us and be a consumer and take your antidepressants your yeah. anti-anxiety meds and right. stuff and it's like you were saying you got to figure out how to change that anxiety mm-hmm. to excitement yeah like and, this this anticipatory like i get to not yeah. i have to you know it's interesting the the words that we use sometimes you know if the alarm goes off in the morning and the first thought you have is oh i have to get up Okay, that, that's one way to start your day. What if instead of, ugh, I have to get up, you actually say to yourself, wow, I get to get up and live this day I've never lived before. Mm-hmm. Now, I want, I know there are people that are going to go, that's fake. How can you do that? Nope. That's fake happy. It's really not. Now, not. you may have to fake it till you make it at first because it's not a natural way that the brain wants to lead us. The brain really is good at keeping us safe and stuck. So a lot of the things I'm talking about involve us pushing past that, And sort of doing things anyway. Like, I'm going to be afraid and I'm going to do what I need to do anyway. There's a book I've been reading called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Mm. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's just this idea that how do we allow ourselves the space to have ideas, to want to grow, to want to push ourselves into new arenas, and to not let the fear take over and keep us from moving forward. I, I've been saying this all episode. I hate my job. I'm so happy every day when I wake up. And there I'm you like, go. Yeah, I woke up today. This is great. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I right. love it. And yeah. uh, there, you got to have something to look forward to, man. Mm-hmm. Something. It, it, t, I don't want to. Nah, not a TV show. TV is some of the worst things you can do to your cognition. Uh, well, you got to have something, man. Sure. Uh, I recommend a hobby, personally. Okay. Um, whatever that might be. But you need something to look forward to that mm-hmm. brings you... Uh, not just happiness, but it, you you can es- escape all of your life's troubles for a little while, where yeah. you're just focused in on this thing that golf or you know something yeah. like that. That just dude, there was a time I was obsessed with it playing golf. golf? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 
it was my getaway, and I because it was just me and mm-hmm. this stick in that ball, and it involved no one else. Yeah, and it was very therapeutic to escape. Yeah, the and- world and just be focused on how. Come every time I hit this ball goes twenty five miles in the opposite direction. I'm trying to get it to go. <laughs> right. It, it, it was. It did such good things for my mm-hmm. state of mind to just have, like I said, that outlet that was just. I didn't think about the outside world. It yeah. Was the, focused on the task at hand, and it really cleared my mind. Mm-hmm. And I was able to, you know, think more clearly. Yeah. After you know spending all that time, you know, practicing my swing and stuff. So. Absolutely, and if blah, blah, you know blah. you listen to these episodes, you're going to hear me cycle on a few themes, and one of them is self care. And so maybe that's what episode two needs to at least start with is sort of this idea of self care because you just totally explained why self care works so well. So I may get you to retell mm-hmm. that story next time. But um, yeah, I'm I'm like the self care. I don't want to say Nazi because that sounds bad. I'm like the self care stickler. I'm like okay, stickler. gotta have self care. Gotta have it. Gotta have it. Mm-hmm. And because um, it is so important for the cognition and to allow yourself sort of an escape. From the monotony and the ugh that's in the world. And we, we all need that. We Our brain needs a way to kind of recover itself and to kind of, I don't know, mm-hmm. get, get some of that good stuff back, you know? Yeah, because when I was in therapy, I, 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 have ang- I have anxiety. It used to be a real problem for me. Sure. Um, Tis not as much anymore. My therapist used to tell me that your anxious, your anxiety is your your body is your mind is telling you something's not right. Yeah. You know, because and I was not in a very good place, and that's why I was so anxious, and I had these you mm-hmm. know things going on. It it uh, was really dark for me, and, and my anxiety just got out of control, man. Right. To a point that uh, was not. Was, you know, being very self destructive. Absolutely. And, um, the golf thing really helped and because mm-hmm. he was asking me what do you like to do and it's like mm-hmm. and playing golf's kind of cool it's all right it's just you know i can get away yeah. from work for a little bit and he's like that's what you need to do focus on that for a while anytime yep. you feel like you're just freaking out and you can't handle it get your putter and even if you don't have a ball around just yeah hit it even if you don't have your clubs or anything just Work your hands like you're doing your grip and think mm-hmm. nothing about that and imagine what you're going to be doing if you're holding the club and take your mind there. Yeah. And that's what it did. It's and, a mindfulness activity, really, yeah. of a way to kind of divert the attention from the destructive negative path into something that at the very least is keeping you sort of in a lighter place, you know, and it's not right. letting you go to that dark place. And I think we all have a version of, you know, what that looks like. Um, and so, yeah, so my hope is that through this podcast, we can tackle topics like that. I'm definitely not afraid to have the difficult conversations. I want it to be funny and entertaining, but, you know, also helpful and to try and give people tools or action oriented steps that they can implement into their daily lives. That's at least my goal. Yeah. There are very important things that we've just covered, um, you know, whether or not when you're working on your golf grip, do you have the interlocking pinky <laughs> grip or the overlapping pinky also, grip? Also, yes. I've switched back to the overlapping pinky grip. I'm trying to think about it. I hadn't golfed in so long. I think Sometimes I do the... interlock like this. I used to right? interlock and that uh, made me slice and then I yeah. started going over the top again and that straighten some stuff out well you know okay i'll leave you with this so when i play golf did i tell you that i play by my own rules 
Yeah, everybody does. Okay, well, so my Lindsay rules are this. My dad and I went and played golf. I love this story because it was hilarious. We get to like the end of the first hole, and he's like, okay, so I, I got par on that. What about you? I'm like, me too. He's like, there is no way that's possible because you took at least three or four more shots than I did. I'm like, yeah, I don't count those. Yeah, he's like, what practice. do you mean you don't count those? I'm like, if it doesn't go where I want, I just don't count it. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay. And he didn't really argue because what are you going to argue with? You know, we were just playing for fun. But anyways, I I, I tend to do What's things best? in my own way. So, you know, it's all good. Fun's good. Right? All right. So tell people mm-hmm. where they can find you, Randy Cash, if they want to follow along with your comedy. I would suggest you go to Instagram, okay. Cash Comedy on Instagram. I'm on Facebook at Randy Cash, but I filter everything pretty much through Instagram because it's All easier. Right. Just Cash Comedy. At Cash Comedy. All right. You can find me. I am Lindsay Walden Consulting or Lindsay Walden Therapy on Facebook. Um, on Instagram, it's Walden underscore Lindsay. You can always go to my website, uh, lindsaywalden.com. That's where my weekly blog is published and also where you can find the link to previous podcasts that um, are, well, not previous. This is the first mm. one. But going uh-huh. forward, you'll be able to uh-huh. access the previous podcast as well as, you know, any links to upcoming events or workshops and things that I've got going on. But this is awesome, Randy. I'm glad we're back doing this. Likewise. Thanks so much for being my continuing co-host and producer. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And for all of you listening, thanks so much for tuning in to the first episode of Therapy Thoughts. We will be back next week with episode two. Bye, everybody.